welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron, your number one source for theories, news and discussion, and interviews from the books and the films like me, Rupert Grint. I play Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter films. And now your host, Melissa, John and Sue. Okay, welcome to Pottercast number one. No, no, wait, I can't count that high. Let me start this over. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We've reached a number. I failed to be able to count everybody. Welcome to Pottercast number 117. Pottercast 117, welcome. I'm Melissa. I'm here again with John and Sue, and we are in for another week of awesome Harry Potter discussion theories breaking down the canon as it now exists in its complete form. Lots of fun stuff this week. We have this week (laughs) a Scurby 5. We have another Phoenix Files for you. We have Canon Conundrums, which this week is about why Dumbledore is such a jerk. He is! (gasps) Oh, I said it! Oh, no, you didn't! Yes, I said it. (laughs) but before we do that i would for one would love to hear from borders of course haven't read harry potter and the deathly hallows yet don't worry borders is here to help pick up your copy of this summer smash hit soon you won't be able to hide for spoilers forever you can count on borders to have it in stock and ready to take home tonight along with the audiobook version even if you've read the book, the Harry Potter fun doesn't have to end yet. Visit BordersMedia.com or click on the Borders banner at the top of the podcast page to find out more. Alrighty. If you haven't read Deathly Hollows yet, what the hell? What the hell? Though <laughs> 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 no, for real. Uh, well. Definitely take note to the audiobook version being in the stores because I don't have it yet, but I want to hear this book read to me. I have the other, uh, the, the other books. Do it. CDs, I, ha- but- I don't have the other one, but I have seven. And Do it's it, the end. Listening to the end. Oh, oh it's, 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 mm. it'll stop you, whatever you're doing. I know some people like to leave it on as like background music. No, no, no. It will just, it will stop whatever else you're doing. And you oh. just get completely caught up. It's great. That is my Christmas wish because I, I have both Mr. Dale's and Mr. Fry's versions. And my Christmas wish is to get both of those for Christmas. So. Hey, speaking of presents, yeah. big thank you to you two. I Ooh. just got both of your birthday presents for me. Yay. You guys are too awesome. We love you. But now... Yeah. Sometimes. But now, now that you're a big, what, 29-year-old, 35-year-old, hey. 50-year-old, whatever you are. Nowhere near. Oh, okay. Well, now you got to, you know, show us show us your wisdom. Do well in the world. I'll do my best. You're heading, you're heading straight into mid-20s, John. It's all downhill That's from right. here. This is true. <laughs> This is true. Welcome to our world. All right, what's happening in the Harry Potter news? The only person I could possibly ask that question is Sue. Well, we are starting to hear slowly more and more. It's now official. Half-Blood Prince filming is going to begin on September 17th, according to Mr. Dan Radcliffe, who's been giving a thousand trillion zillion um, interviews for the release of his film, December Boys. And he's been talking, too, about the upcoming Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince film. Very cool. And he talks about the key pivotal character of Horace Slughorn. Who are they going to get for Slughorn? Oh, man. I don't know. They haven't announced Who have they been talking about? Oh, man. I haven't been reading the rumor stuff, Sue. What have they been saying in the rumor about who's up for Slughorn? Well, there's there's been two. There's one. There's been Bob Hoskins, who's a fabulous actor. He's And also Jim Broadbent, who's also a fabulous actor. And even the Daily Mail said that Jim Broadbent, who is just this divine actor... I don't know if you saw him. He 
I've never heard of any of them. Oh my end. John. Hold on, Rouge. What? I, I'm Joe. I'm Joe American here. Uh, I don't know who any okay. of these people well, are. Jim Broadbent was Ziggler in the Moulin, in Moulin right. Rouge. Yeah, right. The, and Bob Hodgkins, I can't remember. Well, role, he was so in, What did he do? You know, did you ever see who did Roger, uh, Roger Rabbit movie? He's, oh he has, yes, he's yes. so good. I, though I thought he would have been a great. If they had cast him, uh, Mungdungus Fletcher, but Jim Broadbent is awesome. He would be a great dog. Yes, he would. Would he been? He's just like he got that little round mm-hmm. kind of little. He does that little laugh. And he Who did they cast for Dong the last time? No one. John. Ah, hey, here's my question: Was Bob dung. Hodgkins the one that was on Jonathan Ross right before J.K. Rowling? He was, and and he, a lot of- she said that there was a role he could play, but that she couldn't say it, so it had to be somebody oh. in book seven. Who was that? Oh my god! I, I don't even know who that could have been. I don't know. Huh. Right? Yeah, but I wonder who that could be. It had to be somebody who was introduced in book seven, and I just I just can't think of one book that was seven. like round headed like him. I don't know. Because I don't think he would be like any good at, at any of the gaunts, you know? I was like, or the pair, and he wouldn't be uh, in Grindelwald, would he? No. No. Grindelwald? You didn't even see Grindelwald no. until Deathly Hollows. Well, maybe that's what she was talking about. I don't know. So confused. She told us that he died. Yeah. Yeah. He also told us that Dumbledore was 150 years old. Why wouldn't he be? Because according to her Wizard of the Month dates, yeah. he's something like 110 or 120 or something. 50, yeah. Was he, was he, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, we got to. All right. Well, no, no. Did she say 150? I thought she said over 100. I remember the number being vividly 150. Yeah, I think she'd said that mm. or something like that. Well, look, Lecticon like has had his birth date down as 1884 for a while. I don't know. I, Misa don't so I don't know. know where they got that from. Yeah, I blame Lightmaker. Okay. Well, I'm excited about this back on the Hapla Prince film because I'm excited about this movie. And and uh, I'm not. Radcliffe said that that there this was a really neat line. He said most of the mon- uh, most of the time Slughorn he's going to be very funny, but then you will really see the dark side of him, and that they're going to have the after the burial scene about the Horcruxes. You know the chapter in Hapla Prince called After the Burial when he's yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, and he's trying to get the memory out of him. He talks about the the, the Horcruxes and stuff, and he and he pleads yeah. to him about to honor the memory of Lily Potter. I mean, ugh. and Ratcliffe says that will make the tragedy of Slughorn outweigh the comedy. Wow, the tragedy! Everybody's I mean, hung up on Lily. You know? No, what tragedy? Because I mean, I understand that he he did something terrible in telling Tom Riddle this, but he didn't know what Tom Riddle was going to, to turn into. And and yeah, he liked Lily a lot as a as a student, but it wasn't like they were great. I mean, it's not like Snape here, yeah. you know? Right now, that obviously thought, tragic. But I thought Slughorn had this tragedy back in his early days when he had this fight with his brother, and they were fighting a bunch, and then like <laughs> his sister accidentally got killed. <laughs> And Slughorn didn't know whether or not it was him or his brother that did it. Uh, it was that Slughorn? Or was it his friend? Could have been his or friend. Or was it Albus Dumbledore? We're thinking oh, of. Oh, I can't keep him straight. <laughs> what the hell else is going oh, on? Oh, my God, John. I love you. Um, well, <laughs> um, okay. Um, speaking more movie news, the DVD, now it's looked like it's coming out December 11th. Woo! Woo! Very cool, and they're going to have all Fun. kinds of cool, neat little things on it, including our friend Mr. Steve Vanderark, who was in a ah, Steve. Yeah, he was in that documentary that Arts and Entertainment did with I think, I think John Granger or somebody else was on there. I don't remember. I think John Granger. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just so upset that I was busy that weekend because yeah. I was at the top okay, of their John. list. <laughs> but yeah, here's the thing: I, I had you a don't previous know. engagement. John, we could finally hear a commentary. This is the rumor. No kidding. Yes, I'm, but it might just be on the high definition versions. It may not be on the regular standard. Now, see, this is very interesting. That these Ooh, high def versions. I'm not buying a new set 
a new DVD player to get a new D. I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. I spent too much money on no, this. No, 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 series no, 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 no. If they put out high def DVDs right. with all of the deleted scenes put back in and a commentary, I would buy the player just for those DVDs. Yeah. But do you know how much money you're talking about, John? You know how much we've wanted this yeah. and how long? I, I get it. My, but, my little know, a- ABC money. family recording is only, yeah. you know, so nice. Yeah. Got the commercials it, in there. You know, this is a lot. Of, we're not talking about 20 bucks for a DVD. We're talking about a couple of hundred dollars for a new DVD player. Well, and then the DVD themselves are like 70 bucks. You only have to buy the player one time, not for every and DVD. And then the DVD itself is so expensive. Like Until these, these things come down in price, I'm just not. Well, okay, but what if, what if it was like... Dan Radcliffe, Joe Rowling, Chris Columbus, Alfonso, Newell, and Tony Maudsley doing the commentary <laughs> for every single one. I will go to a friend's house and watch it. No, seriously. Ah. I appreciate it, but we're not, we're not talking about, you know, $100 for a theater ticket yeah. or like a hundred or something that's like, we're talking about several, like 500 bucks yeah. between the DVD and, and the DVD player. That's, that's huge. That's unconscionable. You know, right. Uh, right. Well, you know, like, cause like for me, like my, I'm hoping that I can get like a PlayStation three that will play high definition things. So uh, I can be like cut the corners, you know, but there you go. But see, but see, they're not putting out the extended ones. At least now the ones that they're releasing on, on high definition are just the standard. That's crap. You know, I thought, I thought for this whole time that when they would start putting out the high def versions, that would be when they would release the extended versions as well. No. I was wrong. And why don't we ever remember to ask freaking uh, Heyman about this whenever we see him at all these premieres? That's the one darn question I forgot I, I wanted to ask him is, when are we getting extended cut DVDs? Well, what the hell? Why ABC Family exclusives? That's crap. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> okay. That's, okay. What, that's what I would tell him right there. I would tell him it was crap. Yeah. It's so funny how w- Warner Brothers aligns sort of with ABC all the time. <laughs> right. I know. And Joe, for every book, aligns with NBC. Yeah. Right. It's, it's weird. It's a weird it is. Well, there. But. NBC also owns Universal Studios where uh, the park will be. Oh. So why, what is Warner Brothers doing? Come on, get with it. Maybe ABC just has a bigger um, family audience and that's why. Yeah. Which I think it does. Well, I don't think there's an NBC family channel. <laughs> No, I don't think that there is. I don't know. But I like the ABC no. family team. I actually watch no. them. Wow. Oh, all right. Anything else all going right, on? All right, all right. Um, one final ah. thing. The movies have been doing really good. And I just, I, I wanted to mention this really quickly. Now they're claiming, Warner Brothers is claiming that they are now, Harry Potter's the now the top grossing franchise of all time. That they've out, they've passed the James Bond Bond. And the Star Wars films. Although people are hey. saying inflation. People quibble. They're huh? saying eh, right. maybe not so much, but still. But I'm sorry. Bond had like what, 20 films or something? Yeah. So I, don't give me the inflation. Yeah. You know, know. We're, on, we're on number six. But you know, it's, it's sad because it will be the highest grossing franchise of all time for a while. Yeah. Then they'll stop and right. that's it. You know, so it'll it'll eventually get overtaken. But hey, that's pretty cool. I know, I know. I mean, four point four seven billion dollars. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just a stupid number. Completely I mean, ridiculous. come on. <laughs> you know, that's that's more than most. <laughs> you know, the gross income of some like countries in the world. You Small know, countries. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just, I know. It's 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 you know a week in Steve Gates's bank book. Like yeah. you know it's. <laughs> Steve Gates. Did you hear this? Bill Gates. Wow. I'm combining, I'm combining them. Is that oh. your ship? Yes. 
Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. That's my that's my shit. Nice. Could you imagine? They would they would that's they would take over the world. <laughs> they would they would just they would rule the entire universe. Oh, there would be God. no stopping them. It'd be like Dumbledore and Grindelwald, both evil. Oh God. Okay. I think I think we need to jump to some Phoenix Files. It's kind of like Trump and Rosie time. getting together. Oh <laughs> my Lord. Sorry, it's just I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> well played, Upton. Okay, okay sorry. <laughs> Better go. move along. <laughs> Doop, okay. Sorry. Welcome to the Ministry of Magic. Please state your name and business. Welcome, welcome to Phoenix Files, where we talk <laughs> film. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. I'm a little scrapeful. There it was. Well, we're talking about Never Art of the ever. Phoenix, that mm-hmm. movie that came out this summer. Not, yeah. the, not the video game, nope. We haven't forgotten about that, though. What's One of these days we'll talk about that game in more detail once I actually beat the darn oh, thing. You haven't won yet? Come no, on, like... I haven't started playing it yet. Most of oh. give me the game. It's sitting in her car or something. I think it's like underneath it's the, not. the it's... freaking cat's litter box for Mucha. <laughs> That's no why. No way I'm going to get no, anywhere near that. <laughs> it's right next it's... to my bed. It's right next oh. to my bed. It's the cat's fault. It's always the cat's fault. Let's move yeah, on. Let's always. talk. Let's talk Harry Potter and let's oh, talk Harry Arthur Potter Weasley. About Arthur Weasley. Why? What, what's going on this week? Where did we leave off last time? We were in the dark, musty combines of Grimmauld Place. Ah, with our friends, the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> they are our good friends. That's right. They are our pals. Our beds. Bunch of bag of bonds. But then Harry has to go to his trial. And then we get to see the best part, I think, one of the best parts, with our friend Arthur Weasley. I love Arthur Weasley. He's my favorite Weasley dad. <laughs> but yeah, so we head away from there, and we go on the little phone booth ride. Yes. Which uh, we all remember some of the first news. Oh, don't go, don't jump. Don't, what? You're missing something what? huge. He's going, the whole tube ride. It's the best part. The whole... I'll, it's when he's getting off the escalator. Oh, right. I th- I th- uh, my my whole my whole timeline screwed up. Oh, well, they go on the tubes. Well, yeah, they go down the escapator, and he he makes this funny like just exactly what you'd think Arthur Weasley yeah. would be doing with all this muggle electricity yeah. Yeah. crackling around him. The best is that when he tries to use his hand as a yes. yeah. <laughs> great. Oh, but it was so fun. Full of confidence too. Just watches and goes. Oh, okay. This is what I do. What <laughs> if that's like the future? Like you go on the on, on the tubes with like your fingerprint as like the well, key. That'd be so crazy cool. But you have to do that okay, though when you like. I just went to a, a a theme park with my son, and you you go through past. They have like fingers. Yes. You put your fingers through. Yeah. They, so they you know. do. It's called biometric tagging to their uh, mm-hmm. ticket system, so you can't reuse the tickets. Right. So. I think that's possible, although it wasn't quite like how when we went on the tube, but it was his face, the glee, the joy on his delight yeah. that he showed. It was just like, an, I, I I thought it mirrored the delight I saw in the books. Well, it was, was great because it was Arthur and we got to see him and he, he it wasn't like Arthur tired from work. It wasn't Arthur no. like worried about the Death Eaters. It wasn't Arthur no. meeting freaking like Amos Diggory. No. Jumping out of trees <laughs> with his son. Yeah. It was just regular, I'm Arthur, <laughs> I like muggles. 
Yeah. And it was cool. He was the man. He was Mr. Arthur. Yeah. But he had that cool, but he had his, like, he wasn't as goofily dressed as I thought he would be. You know how they describe him in the books. But, I mean, the two of them going through, you know, the town, it was really cool. But then they go to the phone booth. And that was, like, the big, I remember we saw those pictures yes. earlier. And we weren't really sure how that was going to be. But That was one of the first news I remember we had about uh, yeah. filming locations for Phoenix was that they're actually going to be doing that outside of, like, actual defense building or something. In, oh, right, right. In London. And, uh. I didn't really recognize it because I didn't go on that particular tour when I was out there. No. See all that stuff. Did, did, did he say, he said dial, he did the magic, right? They showed the, the, the finger. He was did? I don't think he did, he did. And one of my favorite parts for about, about book five was the, the awesomeness of that, that whole thing when, when they give you the badges and it says like rescue right, mission, right. you know, I don't, and I don't think you see them really dialing. I think they just get in and yeah. close the door and something happens. Yeah. And they, I think, I think he, he does, like, I'm not sure. Does a mad eye moody and like pound something on the ground and the thing <laughs> takes off. <laughs> Bama's stick bat and Bama's yeah. little bowler hat or whatever that Pretty much. Hat is. Yeah. I love moody magic. But anyway, yeah. we go down and we see the ministry. Right. So you guys got to see the set. Did that match what you saw on film when you envisioned it when you walked on that set? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Pretty darn close. It was it bigger, was, obviously, but and it was it was um, yeah. busier, yeah. of course. We didn't see it with any actors no. on it, and and uh, the, obviously there, no flying. There weren't as many flying notes, paper planes. No, <laughs> there were a few. Yeah. Not a, not as many. Yeah. Um, but it was just this massive. I love how they made it look like a tube station. Yeah. They made it look. Like, well, this is going to be underground. We'll make it look like an underground. Like, that little twerk, tweak of reality is really what Harry Potter is yeah, about. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But I, I really like the parts you walk in and you see all the people. It's just like, you know, normal day, the business, the, you know, the everybody's rushing to and fro to come in. And, but people were coming in through the flu, the little fireplaces. And I really got a kick out of seeing that. Actually, they actually put that little tidbit in. So I gave David Yates a lot of credit for that. That was kind of cool. A lot better than the way they go to work in book seven. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what was cool, too, yeah, was yeah. seeing that shot of the airplane's the camera, I don't know if it panned with it or what, but the, the inner department memos zooming through the little squadron of, of paper airplanes flying through over the big fountain of magical brethren or whatever. Is yeah. that what that's called? Yeah, the fountain of magical brethren, which turned out to be like the also sexist fountain of magical brethren, so which is hilarious. Because it because it's the, the, the big man and everybody yeah. else. Yeah. I don't even, was there even the woman in the smaller statue? Mm. He was doing some baking somewhere. Ah, uh, you're so funny. And then the statue that ended up being just decoration, which is kind of yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, but Maybe I, they changed their minds. The and I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, my favorite part was when David Yates, I, I met him later on, when I, and I thanked him for this. It was that picture of giant fudge. I still love that. I'm going to talk about it till the end of time, so I know everyone's sick of it, but it's a shot of like an homage to Citizen Kane, and there's fudge looming out over the yeah. whole ministry, and he just... <laughs> Fudge. <laughs> I the part where not think I. I just I, I my first thought was yeah, oh, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say that. my first thought was Ava Perone. No, I wasn't. I What's wrong with me? Don't cry for me. Don't cry world. for me. Wizarding world. I'm Cornelius Fudge. About Fudge is totally the equivalent to uh, uh, Ava Perone in the Harry Potter stories. I guess slept his way to the top. Uh, not uh, so much. Okay, John. Sure. Yeah. You know Fudge. It has a dangus but, singing voice. But then we're right. walking down. And, we're walking down to one of my favorite shots, though, because my favorite person's in the film next. Who is that? Jason Isaacs' Lucius uh, There he is. <sighs> he's like, happy. but seriously, Minister, you must agree that 
And then, like, <laughs> they all walk down and watch them. I mean, we talked about this before. It's sort of weird because, I, like, I get it and I like the, the, the tweak of, of drama and suspense that it brought to the, mm-hmm. to the film. But it, it didn't really pan out. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it just sort of cast shadow on Fudge, which is cool. Yeah. But it just was, like, a weird... Well, what the Malfoy expects to do? Well... It's like... I mean, they're sitting there. He's got the whole Wizengamot there that did yeah. not get bribed. Wizengamot. Wizengamot that did not get bribed by Malfoy. <laughs> and no. Fudge can't really do that much stuff that's illegal. So yeah. I don't know what Malfoy thought he was trying to accomplish there. Just be like, you'd better be hard on Potter because that would be really great. Yeah. Well, it's an implied you know? corruption, and, uh, I guess, is was what it's yeah. supposed to be. And you, well, we never yeah. Yeah. set that ominous tone, I guess. But it's it like didn't... it's it's pretty. It's like mm-hmm. it's a big dramatic equivalent to like a zoom in shot on Fudge doing the shifty eyes for no reason. Yeah, Just kind of looking around <laughs> side to side. Yeah, it's like it's like more. It's more, but we we know that Lucius is a Death Eater, so it's more yeah. implying without any resolution. It's more implying that he was yeah. evil than well, just you a know really what? bad politician. You know what they were going you know? to do? They're going to change the blocking and actually have Harry walking by uh-huh. and and they were going to show Malfoy and Fudge and have uh, Malfoy closing the door very slowly and looking outward from it, looking back and forth and then backing out towards the door with the goblet of fire in the background. And then mm. we would all... Like the exactly Karkaroff scene, like John? Karkaroff scene. Yeah, just yeah, like it's that. It's very good wow. to do like the red herrings like that. Uh-huh. Totally. Uh-huh. Anyway, we go to the mm-hmm. ministry meeting and the Wizengamot and um, Fudge is presiding and you have people in their pink robes and the people in their blue robes, uh, b- black robes in that really, really scary room with that, all the fires like, in the dungeon. A, bi- a bipartisan system? Is that why they had different colors? No, I think it just shows what they are in the oh, ministry. Oh, yeah, their levels of... That would have been funny if they were like... Republicans and Democrats, <laughs> like the equivalent for the Wizarding world. <laughs> Tor- uh, you know what, what's Joe the English version? Us... Uh, Tories and the Labour yeah. Party. Yeah, but they never did complicate the the government that far too much uh, in the in the series. But like, you knew no, you but had you have to, I mean, because the minister is appointed, yeah. it looks like. But you had you had your supporters of uh, Voldemort stuff, and then you had the people who were for you know rights for everybody. But they never really had names. You know, this is interesting. Like, the ministry, if the ministry is an appointed position, how do they avoid, I mean, is it a democracy? Yeah. How do they avoid corruption? How do they avoid uh, a dictator? It reminds they, me of you that, that you, guys, you guys have ever watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes, I love that movie. When, like, he, he comes out and yes. um, the, the people are in the fields, doing, yes. or they're doing the mud, uh-huh. and they're like, well, I'm your king. And you're like, well, I didn't vote for you. Yeah. <laughs> But, don't vote for the king. <laughs> no, that's so funny. Oh, yeah. And there's Umbridge breaks into chorus. Yeah. So then we have the the the, the meeting. Dumbledore, which he's really, I think he's really, really Dumbledore-esque. Yeah. Yeah, I think he did I mean, a good job. I actually, I love the way he delivered the line. By happy coincidence, I arrived here three hours. Mm-hmm. That, that was Dumbledore. That was the Dumbledore. And I thought that yeah, was, he did sure. a good job at that scene, I have to say. This deadpan, yeah. like he just, you know, that wry, but the, except that he doesn't have the smile and the wink in his voice in his face. That yeah. Dumbledore yeah, there's really no, there's no have. like, I know something you don't know look on him that he doesn't. Yeah, that's it. Dumbledore always has that. I know something you don't, you don't know, and I'm going to be pleasantly You're pretty much. About He's going to conjure know? his little purple chair and sit down in front of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like he's sitting yeah, down to tea. Much. You know? That, that whimsy about Dumbledore is so, so. It is very much so. For the book. 
But for the from what he was given, though, I thought he did good. Um, and, and I yeah. really liked how we the introduction of Umbridge in this. I have to say, I thought they did a good job with with her, Get her little cat hand with, and with her. Yeah. Yes, her little puffy hand and her little brooch on her little thing, and it's just the only one out of cost. everybody's grandmothers had that brooch, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. At like a certain age, you 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 become when somebody buys you the brooch, and then <laughs> like, oh, it's that time. Yeah, you must get it. Like when you get your AARP yeah. card. Oh God! Comes in the I don't want that to happen. I'm going to reject mine. I'm not going to wear one. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Mrs. Fig comes. Oh to the, yes! To the oh yeah. yeah! Someone chopped her off. She, though she was not the figgy, I wanted her to be more batty, more daft, more wacky, and she's this one. Everybody's you know, always body. hating on yeah. figgy. And stuff, but, I mean, I've I've compared her previously, I think, to the Catwoman on uh, Simpsons. She's always <laughs> running around yelling at people with a hundred cats clinging to like her body in random places. <laughs> but seeing like a real life person version yeah. of that in the film would have yeah. been bizarre. So it's just funny that she's kind of like a little hapless, yeah. cute little old lady who can't tell the difference between the Dementors and the and Harry's brother. Yeah, they Present. don't even portray her as a squib. They just Brother. sort of, you know. And the other thing, Brother too, Dudley. You know, I, I was more disappointed too. I mean, you knew that there was somebody standing up, but you didn't realize that, that was Susan Bones. You know, or Amelia Bones. I'm sorry, you didn't Susan realize Susan Bones. Her introduction at that point would have yeah. been, you know, annoying. Yeah. Would have halted halted anything, yeah. you know. But I do like I do like the way they portrayed it, except for that black lipstick. Oh, I know. Ooh. She's intense, man. She's Makeup goth. from Elvira. A little, little too goth, but then... Goth. But if we have goth tongue for tonks, then we can have goth then, I guess. I don't know. Why not? I don't even think she was goth. Speaking she sort of, of tonks. Uh-oh. Yes. Why? Let's... We we got Wait. more emails about this than I thought we would, defending yes. a lady who plays this lady tonks. Now, they referenced the fact that she was in a film uh, called About a Boy, which I happen to like that movie. Love that film. That was a, a, that's a pretty nice movie. movie. But, you know, fine. We're, what we're only judging here is the, this performance in this movie. And it's another one of those things where someone had written about how you can't judge her on the things that are out of her control, like her costumes, her makeup, her lines, stuff like that. So they're basically defending the actress, which is fine. I wasn't so much attacking the actress as much as how the part was written for the film or just how it was executed in the film. Whatever, but we talked about this last week. But uh, to all of you who wrote in defending her, I, I, I don't have any hate for the lady. This was not executed the way I would re- have recognized Tonks from reading her character. That's all. Alrighty. Okay, well, I think that's it. That does it for this week's Phoenix Files. Next week we go past after mm-hmm. the ministry and on to the Hogwarts Ooh, Express and all like that, that junk. On the big, the big Harry almost kills Malfoy moment. Oh. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Ron finally has to hold Harry back in one of these movies. That'd be great. Okay. Come off it. We're going? Alright. See ya. See ya. We always say bye, like we're leaving somewhere. Oh, I know. We're not. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Scribby 5, the five-minute podcast segment about the Leaky Cauldron's premiere essay project, Scribulus. I'm Laura, also known as Music Cows on the forums. And I'm Erin, also known as Calpheus on the lounge. So Erin, it seems that we've had some downtime at Scribulus lately. We certainly have, Laura. We took a nice break so that we could enjoy the release of Deathly Hallows, and now we're going through some reconstruction on the website itself. 
But never fear, right? Scribulous will be back soon. Never fear. A whole batch of great essays is coming your way shortly. We've been busy working on them. Keep your eyes on the Leaky Cauldron for details. Well, in that case, why don't we take this opportunity to talk about what we do, Erin? What a great plan. We Scribulous editors love an opportunity to talk about ourselves. <laughs> and to talk about Harry. So, Erin, <laughs> let's walk through the process of getting published on Scribulous. Say, I had a great theory and I wrote an essay and it's awesome. Can I just email you with it and I'm done? Whoa there, Laura. Before you even email that essay to us, you need to make sure that you have a few things. Like what? Well, make sure that you have a title for your essay and that you tell us how you want your name to appear in the event that it is published. Also, we don't accept essays under 1,000 words, so use that word count tool and make sure you're good to go. And we also need an abstract. Oh, right. I forgot about the abstract. 50 to 100 word summary of the essay. Exactly. Also, you need a bibliography. Oh, I hate doing the bibliography. Oh, me too. But we have to give credit to all of those wonderful sources we use, some of us more than others. And we use Chicago format for citations. Yeah, the guidelines for Chicago format are on the Scribby forum. They are? Shouldn't you know that, Erin? Well, maybe, but as I have the entire book memorized... All right, whatever. Well, I have all that and I'm good to go. I email it to you guys at scribulous at theleakycauldron.org. And what happens next? Well, we'll send you a note confirming that we received the essay and the editors review it. That's right. One of my favorite parts of working here is reviewing the essays that come in. We look for essays that are interesting and facilitate debate. And we're also looking for essays that have originality, creativity, and are packed with information. Right, Laura. But we're also looking very carefully at all the mechanics and the technical stuff in the writing. Um, English, Erin. Ha ha, well, <laughs> we're looking for writing that has a good grasp on grammar and spelling and has varied sentence structure. Essays such uh, should be well organized and the thesis should be supported by canon, evidenced, and analyzed thoroughly. Great. Anything else? Oh yes, there's always more. We here at Scribulous love to see a great conclusion. Oh yes, good conclusions get us all hot and bothered. Ooh, they sure do. <laughs> So, all of this is making me a bit nervous about my essay. Seems like a lot of details to work on. Ah, uh, well, we are very thorough, but that doesn't mean your essay has to be perfect. If they were all perfect, well, then we'd be out of a job. <laughs> very true. And we love to take a good essay and make it great. So what happens next? Well, if the essay is accepted, you'll be assigned an editor to work on the essay personally with you until it's ready to be published. Sounds like fun. It is, for the author and the editor. And of course, after you're published, your essay will be discussed in the scribulous corner of the lounge. Great. So now that I understand the process, I've got this great piece of brilliant fanfic. Whoa, now, Laura, no fanfiction, please. No? Uh, well, we love fanfics as much as the rest of the fandom, but at Scribulous, we want you to analyze the works of Joe Rowling. We are currently looking for call topic ideas, actually, here at Scribulous. If any of you out there listening have an idea for essay topics, or if you just would like to know more about a certain subject relating to the Harry Potter series, post your idea in the Suggestions for Topics thread in the Scribulous section of the lounge, which can be found in Calvin's Corner. Sounds great, Erin. 
All right, everyone, give us your topic suggestions and keep an eye out for the next issue of Scribulous. Until next time, bye. Now it's time for Canon Conundrums. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? And we're here again with Canon Conundrums. Four of us this time. Yeah. We just keep going and going and going. I just can't stop calling it that, even though we technically renamed it Canon Conclusions. It doesn't sound the same. It doesn't have the same ring. No, it really doesn't. But anyway, what are we talking about? Anyway, this isn't really much of a conundrum or a conclusion, it's is it? It's more of a discussion. Yeah. 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 Which is allowed, because we make the rules here. Well, so, so <laughs> I, I have my own version of this one, but I think you wanted to say it nicer. Okay, we'll say it nicer, and then All we'll right. do Steve's version. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Deathly Hallows quest. Yes. yes. Did it really mm-hmm. have uh-huh. to be so hard? And yeah. Steve's version. Is, why is Dumbledore such a jerk? Which Oh, I, like I love. I know. Dumbledore. I yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Well, so do I. But hey, you know. He's a cold, manipulative. Yeah, he is, and it's not just because he was planning on Harry dying. I mean, he's he's just all the way through. He just, you know, Harry spends a lot of book seven saying, you know, boy, I wish I would have talked to Dumbledore about this, and I keep thinking, I wish Dumbledore would have talked to him about it. You know, Dumbledore knew all this uh, all this information. He could have could have you know yeah. given him a clue. <laughs> I gotta say, I blame Harry. You're gonna blame Harry. I do have to. I, I do have to blame the most uninquisitive kid yes. in that school yeah. for the yeah. fact that every time he's ever interacted with Dumbledore, it was upon Dumbledore to talk about Harry. Right. When did D- Harry ever ask about Dumbledore? Because do right. you really think Dumbledore would have been like, "Bugger off! This is not your business." Mm-hmm. Harry actually rem- remembers this in Deathly Hollows when he says the only thing he could ever remember asking Dumbledore was what he saw in the mirror of Erised, which is the right. most personal question you could ask somebody. Right. I mean, he he got a joke of an answer, but you know, you'd have to assume as Harry grew up, if he asked Dumbledore more about himself, he would have learned. Dumbledore would have shared it with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty heavy stuff that Dumbledore has in his past to just offer Harry as information. Oh, by the way, did you know that my sister was this and this? Yeah. And, you know, my dad was accused of this. I don't, I don't know if he would have had to tell him all that stuff, but I think, you know, just the idea that his family was also from Godric's Hollow. Do you think the fact that yes. he was not wanting to share all the personal details was enough to keep him from saying that? You know? I mean, I think another, another idea is that, that Dumbledore didn't want to be, um, didn't want to get too close to Harry because he was kind of setting him up for, for uh, um, having to uh, probably die at the end, and he didn't wanted to make sure that he could go through with it. I mean, I don't know, you can't see what I mean there. So that's sure. possible. Mm, it makes his crying in book five a lot more plain because he alone knows what he's setting Harry up for, mm-hmm. and now he's admitting that he's right. coming close to him. But Dumbledore, book five, when he cries, mm-hmm. I see. I'm torn on this because I think that. In a war such as this one, look what Harry had to go through to win, right? Mm-hmm. He pretty much had to die to win. You need somebody yeah. like Dumbledore who mm-hmm. right. steps back and says, this is what needs to be done, who essentially is a Slytherin. I mean, let's... Are you... S- Dumbledore's essentially a Slytherin? Is that what you're saying? Holy heck, okay. yes. 
Remember when he said, I think we saw too soon? I think he's a slip. Look what he did. Yeah. You know, actually, I'm going to disagree with you, but I want to let you finish your thought, and then I'm okay. just going to say. I mean, depending on when you sort. I always say that if I if I had been sorted at age 11, I'd be different than if I had mm-hmm. been sorted now, and I think Snape would have been sorted differently yeah. had he been sorted, you know? and So I think, it, you know, it depends. But I think that you so need somebody like that yes. who's willing to make choices that are, are seemingly even right. brutal right. and That's cruel. True. Because he recognizes and he has the wisdom to recognize mm-hmm. it's the only way. Hmm. However, however, could he have thrown him a bone, like just a little? Well, the sword thing, for example. Yeah. You know, I mean, he did. Did Dumbledore knew that the sword would destroy Horcrux, right? We assume. Mm-hmm. So why didn't he tell mm-hmm. him? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a fairly obvious you piece know? of information. But see, why, why give him all one from a from a literary point of view? One that would just take away the whole point of the whole journey of the whole story of the book. You know, if Harry needs to develop himself, <laughs> and two, true. Harry needs to progress as we all grow through life. He has to be able to be able to master these skills himself. You cannot. The hardest thing about being a parent is letting them learn to do it That's themselves, true. and that is what Dumbledore has to do. And I think actually Dumbledore, while he's a jerk and didn't tell him about his family, and he could have told him a lot of things. He's actually being very brave and letting Harry do it himself. He has to be that courageous to do that, to let him do that. And I actually think that Dumbledore is a true Gryffindor. I think he, he truly is. And, and a lot of people disagree with that. I don't but know. I've never thought of him as anything other than a Gryffindor. But, but the sword, I think, is a good mm-hmm. example, is an exception to what you're saying, Sue, because that's not a matter of, well, of Harry learning some sort of skill or something. I mean, if, if Dumbledore is going to set him mm-hmm. off to, to destroy Horcruxes and Dumbledore knew that the sword would do it, don't you think it would have been a really good idea for him at some point to have said, you know, you're going to need something to destroy these things when you find them. i got an idea. Why don't I tell you the thing that I know works? Or why don't I just hope that somehow you figure it out from amongst all the various magical objects that exist everywhere in the world? I mean, why didn't he tell True. him? I mean, that's a, that one should be obvious. No, I said, doesn't that just show that, that Dumbledore is flawed? I mean, that he kind was, jerk, as then, he admits so. later on, that he, that he was. I think we can all agree yeah. he's pretty flawed. No, but I mean, he, he admits it, that he was power hungry. He yeah. was, as he was going along, and he had made these mistakes, and I still think that these, some of these characteristics are still with him, and, and even in, 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 in his death, mm-hmm. or whenever that place is there, that King's Cross, when he's admitting, he's, he's admitting that I have flawed, mm-hmm. I did these these things so i think i thought it was important that she shows it mm-hmm. you know maybe now that we're finally at the end of the story that no one is is absolute and that there is no problem uh-huh. i thought it was actually pretty well uh-huh. written on her uh-huh. part when i'm thinking about the fact that he didn't tell harry some of this stuff it, i think it all kind of comes back to something i guess we could call um trust for the sake of dramatic effect yeah yeah. If you think about how much Dumbledore left, he just trusted that Harry would figure it out. Harry and his friends would figure it out. You could chalk up so many different things to that. I mean, the whole the whole quest, uh, the majority of it, just relying on the fact that they'd be able to figure it out with Hermione's help and everybody's help. Oh, and yeah. Some influence there from Snape with the sword and everything. But, I mean, the, the fact that all of this came down to like like joe said i mean one of the big plot points with that elder wand was two kids getting into a fist fight yeah the fact yeah. that he left the whole fate pretty much the whole harry defeating dumbledore or <laughs> harry defeating voldemort here he left it to these three kids he didn't write it down anywhere else for anybody you know any order member to sort it out to figure it out all of this was trusted upon harry and you can say is that a flaw is that reckless 
or is it trust for dramatic effect? And that's where I put a lot of Dumbledore's decisions is that yeah. it's huge and there's the stakes are way high. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of risk to it, but that's what makes it so exciting and so interesting and in that it is up to Harry and he had the most powerful guy in the world who could have done it differently decided I'm going to put all my, you know, all my eggs in Harry's basket here and we're going to see what happens and he trusted Harry would do it. So Dumbledore is one giant dramatic <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, pretty much. Kinda. It's a book. Kinda. <laughs> All of yeah. those decisions. Yeah. Everybody's going, it's, yeah. it's a what? It's a book? But it's, it's true. I mean, like, if everything's in service to Harry's story, then, then yeah, it's, it's much better plot-wise for Harry to have to figure some of this stuff out himself. I also think there's some issue with Harry knowing about the, the fake sort of Gryffindor with that, with yeah. that information being out there. Mm -hmm. Um, only the goblins knew. Well, but now wait a minute. The fake sort of Gryffindors, Snape came up with that after the kids tried to steal it. They only knew because they saw it. They, they saw it and realized it was fake. But what I'm saying is that that wasn't sitting there most of the time. It was the real one in his office. I know, but they would have had to, to give Harry the sort of Gryffindor, he would have had to put, he couldn't, there's a, there's a plot, okay, there's something okay. I'm reaching for here that I'm quite not getting, but he couldn't just have Harry walk out of Hogwarts. Okay, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, what yeah. You're yeah. Remember that? That you was know? Dumbledore telling Snape about that, is that it needed to be taken in a moment of valor and desperation and bravery and everything Courage that Gryffindor is supposed to represent. So you're represent. saying that, that if he wouldn't have gotten it in that way, it wouldn't have worked for him? No, I think it's part of its magic. I think, no, no, no. Uh, I think Harry had to believe that's how he got it. Mm. I, think, I think Snape set up those conditions so that Harry wouldn't be suspicious about how the sort of Gryffindor... Yeah. Well, yeah, that's how we believed he did get it. He did go under the water like that, and he did risk all that, so... I'm sorry, I love it. I love that Snape's idea of a courage and valor situation is... Yeah, let's... Harry <laughs> ice cold water. That's totally Snape. You know, we were talking about how, how Dumbledore is cruel to Harry and stuff. I mean, I think he's equally, if not even more so, to Snape. I, I think oh, he's yeah. just... Well, there is that one scene where he's kind of, what is he, reading something, and he just says, oh, keep an eye on Quirrell, will you? Like, oh, man, do you realize what this guy's yeah. doing for you? And you just kind of blow him off. Oh, all this time when oh. he says, you know, I've been protecting him. I've been protecting him on your orders. And now you're telling me that he is only being protected to be killed mm -hmm. at the right moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Which and is... then, and then that, that's Dumbledore's harshest line, I think, after that is when yeah. he says, you know, it's like, what's the big deal? You've, you've seen other people die before, Severus. What's, you know, why you get hung up here? And to hear him talk about Harry like that is just ridiculous. But... I think the distinction that, that at least I make in my mind is that there's a difference between Dumbledore acting harsh, Dumbledore having to do harsh actions and make those decisions versus he versus like that's actually his personality. Like he's just a harsh, mm. cold, calculating person. I think yeah. he if not Dumbledore, who else would have organized this whole thing? Who would have even had enough sure. understanding of everything, all this deep magic and everything to be able to make because a lot of what he's doing is making guesses yeah. totally but i think the moment when dumbledore cries and 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 the fifth there is like all of his you know commander warrior kind of stuff just drops for, yeah. for that moment and he's feeling true feelings for this kid that he's grown to, to love but i mean he knows that the greater good mm -hmm. his little phrase there is for him to have to be the the commander-in-chief for yeah. the wizarding world yeah. and his real life and it, it, you have to make those kind of decisions and be that guy even if he probably would 
wish he didn't have to make such decisions. And I think even his cowardice that he that he claims he had in his earlier life comes into play in book five. I think he was sort of happy, not happy, but at least glad for an excuse to have to retreat from Harry a little bit because he could feel himself getting so close and getting so close. And I think part of his reasoning for not dealing with it straight on throughout all that book, apart from, you know, I didn't want Voldemort to know of our bonds, which I thought was mm-hmm. a really wishy-washy thing, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, is him him knowing now what has to be done, recognizing these feelings of affection for Harry in him, yeah. and doing what he did with Grindelwald, which was avoiding until, until right. he couldn't avoid it any longer. Right. Dumbledore does not like emotional confrontation. He doesn't mind magical right. confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him talk yeah. about his feelings. Well, he's a guy. I guess like maybe it's me <laughs> because I'm being clueless, but did Dumbledore actually ever make peace with Aberforth before he yeah. passed? It says that they were they had sort of a an understanding and they were I think I think he actually, you know, cuz he went and drank in the hog's head quite often. You know, so I think yeah, I think yeah. they hung and and I'm I'm guessing that they probably got together and chatted and so a lot more than we ever would have, you know, had any any way to know. Sure. I think he probably had that stuff sorted for mm-hmm. a while. I mean, Dumbledore, being in, in his in his years, probably sorted out the stuff from his 20s and 30s and 40s mm. long ago. Well, I think they probably reached some sort of understanding when Dumbledore killed or captured. We know he now he didn't kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. I think so. Yeah. You know. But okay, so so we're talking about what could could Dumbledore have made this easier for Harry? Would would that actually like say if he had told him like the history of the Pervels or how do you say their Pervels. names about the cloak, mm-hmm. for example, would that really have made Harry's task all that much easier if he just knew that there's it's one of these hidden things? I mean, would that made any difference? Like a Deathly Hallow, would it would it actually have made any difference? Well, I I'm of the opinion that that in order for the Hallows to be anything for you. You have to actually quest for them, yeah. and so I think there was a, some aspect of yeah. that too. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and that's that yeah. part to me seems reasonable. And there's I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know there's some lines that kind of suggest the idea that you know you, I'm sorry you've got to you've got to find these things yourself. You can't just have somebody give them to you. I don't know. I mean, if you win the Elder Wand from somebody, you're still going to command the Elder Wand, and it's still going to be a magical Elder Wand to you, whether or not you went on a quest for it. Unless I completely understand. Right. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that yeah, they're they're going to be powerful magical items no matter what. Harry's been using the cloak all along too, but the point is that this other kind of undefined extra thing that's supposed to happen if they all come together would require this um, having not just kind of happen to pick them up here and there, but that you actually know about the story and are and are intending to put them together. The intent has so much. You know, so much a part of what magic is. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, and it was and it was the intent. It was nothing but the intent that Dumbledore was worried about. The idea that Harry would learn about the Hollows too soon. They said right right there in the book how I couldn't have just given it to you right up front. I wanted to make sure you knew well enough to not make the same, not have the same temptations Mm -hmm. I had, which was trying to take all that power Mm -hmm. for myself and try to win the day through the power you had to win it through your heart and Harry, he was basically buying harry all that time to figure all that stuff out as he took but his time on this quest so much i mean he didn't even introduce the concept right. of the right to him. <laughs> right <know>. yeah nothing <laughs> or how to destroy a horcrux hermione found the damn book in his office <laughs> <Yeah>. sure luck <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> Akio saved the day. And it just happened to have the window open. Good thing. Like, yeah. you know, how much, how much he left a chance. If Harry hadn't have gone into the Shrieking Shack, Snape would have died with never telling him that he was a Horcrux. It's true. Yep. Like, yeah. so much. The dramatic chance, dramatic trust. It's almost, almost, almost enough to stretch it to the point where you almost would think it wasn't real. Uh, but it's real in your head. But yeah, I'm it's going on in your mind, right? <laughs> but you know that's true. There are all the way through. Oh, I mean, I you know, line. we can we can take it right back to the rather low level of Ron being able to suddenly speak parcel tongue just because he heard Harry do it once. No, I don't want to even go there. <laughs> no, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. He mimicked the uh, word, and Harry did actually yes, he use did. the word yes, open in front of him. I've tried to order my lunch here in Miami with Spanish that I'm trying to pick God. up from other people, and I've never gotten my food right I when I try you. to do that. So I don't believe that Ron, in a regular, normal world, can <laughs> do it any better than me. I want to pose one more Dumbledore question okay. here. You guys think that there was a big dramatic difference between the way Dumbledore approached all things Harry from the moment of the Gleam of Triumph? Because I think mm. if, if Dumbledore, Dumbledore claims that from that moment he had a good hunch, and his hunches are usually correct, that Harry would be okay. And from about end of book four, book five forward is when Dumbledore really starts laying some of the facts down on Harry of what's really going on here. I think so. I think so. I think, I think that was a pretty yeah. important moment. Yeah. You know? And I think... Yeah. <laughs> you think? Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm just laughing because I, I'm just imagining Joe and all the men in the interview she's given or whatever talking about the gleam of triumph and the gleam of triumph, mm-hmm. gleam right? Of triumph. Yeah, no. She, she, so she. The last thing she publicly said, I think, about the gleam of triumph was, was the book six interview when she said, "Oh, right. Yeah. You know, that's still enormously important." Yeah. But also, I mean, book four, Dumbledore. Remember when he stormed into the room angry? A friend of mine pointed this out to me. He stormed into the room where Moody was holding Harry, and he was, he was, like Harry could behold mm-hmm. his power yeah. yeah you never see that from dumbledore again and it's because crouch not or moody crouch moody whatever yeah totally almost destroyed mm-hmm. everything everything yeah. that he had planned and everything that he had done he almost killed it and dumbledore mm-hmm. had no idea so it was more i mean it was partly harry's safety but it was also because he had this elaborate plan and it was almost just completely blown away interesting because that's what happened to he joe's plan too in book all four. kinds of pissed off almost was completely blown away yes that's true oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> good point well, i mean I, I, dumbledore had anger for crouch probably a lot more of it was toward him to himself for being duped by a yeah that's as like I, think, I think but it's it's it is interesting though i, I wonder if joe's ever going to now tell us things like what was the plot problem that you yeah. came up with before and things like this? I'd love to know that stuff. Well, we are out of time for today. Oh, man. So have we decided whether Dumbledore is a jerk yet? or? Yeah, no, I think this is pretty much the case for Dumbledore. Dumbledore, good or evil? Trust Dumbledore? Trust, like, trust Snape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can have stickers? Uh, yeah, because I'd like to talk more about um, Tim and Snape. I just think that whole relationship would be, you know. This, this was pretty much talking about... Dumbledore and his relationship with Harry and what he communicated and did not communicate regarding Deathly Hallows. There's still a lot more Dumbledore talk we can do. I think I have to read the whole series again about six times in order to really talk. I can't believe that I've only read the darn thing once yet. I still want to go back and read it. I've read read all the important bits, I feel. I've got it on CD. I I mean, I've read a couple chapters twice, but just the end of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love the audio Mm -hmm. version. Oh, my gosh. I didn't. I, ne- I never listened to the audio versions, but I just got the book seven, 
and I can't stop. Right. I just pick exactly. up so many little things. I want to do it. I've been waiting to do it. I feel embarrassed because like there's a pull up on Lakey. How many times have you read that? <laughs> John, <laughs> almost one. <laughs> one. Hey, to skip some of the hard parts. Yeah. No, he hey. read the one thing. But no, I, there should be at least one of us here who is still that oh, you person think so? who's read it once. <laughs> okay, John, you could be that person. No, that can't be me. Sorry, I think I'm about nine or ten right now. So. Oh well, you yeah, are the Steve. Okay, Melissa, John, Steve, and the head of Pump Row House at Terminus. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> Our Addy for now. Mosey on out. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. See you next week. Oh, my pleasure. Time to keep working. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Well, guys. Wow. The end of another podcast. 117. We're getting real, real old, even in wizarding terms. Uh-oh. Are we as old as McGonagall? Probably. McGonagall was 90 we are. years old, wasn't she? Wow. We are debatedly older than Dumbledore, but who knows, yeah, really. I, know. I love McGonagall. She's awesome. I don't much care for McGonagall. John, you're not gonna like, win any popularity like contest. Well, that's because you're you're a Slytherin man, you know. So maybe yeah. that's why. I guess. Although you could be a Hufflepuff, but it could be trouble. I am no Hufflepuff. I, I was not sort of there. Yeah. They wouldn't take me. I wanted to go there first. You did not. You did not want to go into my house. There's just no way. No. Oh. No. I don't know that we have Chipotle bins down in our Hufflepuff oh, house. Oh well, then that changes everything. <laughs> Oh man, could you imagine? You'd never get drawn out of there. I don't know why you'd say that. Oh, that'd be awesome, Hamie. Hey, that'd be pretty cool. Now I'm just gonna go hassle the Hufflepuffs. I don't even need to be in their house. See, I would think you would like it because it's right next to the kitchen, man. I mean, our house is right down there. I'm just well, saying. Yeah, I mean, those, those house elves aren't enslaved willingly. You have to keep an eye on them. Oh well. I was reading um, a, really, a really nice... By the way, thank you guys all for your fanfic recommendations. Yes. Um, some of them have been really wonderful. Somebody recommended to me an author that I've I, I've read before, but her name is Fernwithy. She's she's on the Sugar Quill, and she's also on LiveJournal. It's F-E-R-N-W-I-T-H-Y dot LiveJournal.com. Oh, and she's writing, a, she's writing a fic about Teddy Lupin, and it's really fantastic. And it's... And they're... Basically, it's this era of Hogwarts where you're allowed to go into other people's common rooms. So he's, he's, you know, he's a Gryffindor, but he's he goes and he hangs out in the common room, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really nice fic, and I recommend it. Um, I don't know. Have you guys been reading any good stuff lately? I haven't been reading. I've I've been meaning to. I don't know. No, the only thing I've been learning about are hot winds, Pampero winds. Hot wind. Sorry, I had that little, that little, little Pampero wins. Hot what? Hot wins. Hot. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Sue. That's a shameless plug. Sue <laughs> is going to be head of house at Terminus in Chicago next August. So excited. I can't even. Ah, Which, Sue. by the way, is looking to be a cold calamity of fun. It's going to be so much fun. I love these Harry Potter conventions. It doesn't matter which one are gatherings or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> symposiums, whatever. I love it. But I just I, can't, I just about peed my pants when I got that email in there. And she's like, and then Amy, I'm like, Amy, I love you. And uh, <clears throat> just, I mean. You know where I'd love to have one? I would, lo- I would love to go to, like, Boston. I would, too. That would be awesome. Let's do it. Just saying. I, I love I fun. love the East Coast. That'd be a good place. Be right. I know they've done Salem before, but it was during the during the school year, so it was really hard for people for people to go. But yeah, there, there's so much there's so much fun. If you if you haven't gone to one, I, I suggest going. Terminus is going to be a live podcast there. We're really just going to have a great a, a grand old time together. Yeah. So Chicago, August seventh to tenth. Actually, plan out for August sixth to tenth if you're trying to plan. And I, Woo-hoo. I'm going to stop saying anything else before I incriminate myself. Yes. 
That's it. Yeah, so I'm excited. I mean, the, the, the Harv fandom is still going on. People keep saying, oh, what are you doing now that your fandom's done? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, one more person asked me, what will you do now that the seventh book is out? I feel like telling them, well, I'll just I'll just stop functioning. How's yeah. that? Like, come on. <laughs> what did they think was, what was going to happen? I'm just as busy as now as I was before. It hasn't changed for me. I don't know. <laughs> I know. guess. So it's leaky. I mean, we're still we're still moving. The site's getting fixed. We know oh, there's yeah, oh the God. poor yes. site. Yes, it is. The people. poor site. It's like fifty percent of site. You know, since I know. the book came out, no book section, no movie section, no awesome scribulous section yet. No crabs. But it's coming. Don't worry. <sighs> no crabs. Crab. Vincent Crab. Goyle. No. Crabs? We finally got rid of our crabs. Oh, no crabs. Crabs. <laughs> crabs. <laughs> yes. Like what? What are you talking no. about? Um, Very good no, antivirus. but it's all coming back. We've had some. We, we're, we're coming back better and stronger than ever. And the changes that we've made have meant that updating will be a lot faster It'll be all a around. Breeze. So, so keep an eye on the leaky. The essays will write themselves. It'll be brilliant. <laughs> Clearly. Okay. Edit themselves. Okay, John. Yes. It's just a button that says edit this. Uh. I programmed oh. it so it'll be perfect grammar. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, John, since you have a lot of homework to get yes. to before you can get to your leaky work, I'm, yes. we think we should probably push out. Crazy of sick time. homework. One one other note, just because I haven't gotten a chance to do it yet. You still can't audition to be in the podcast troops. In fact, we haven't even started them yet. So, yes. again, keep your eyes on podcast.com. One of these days, we'll sit down and write up some details on how to go about doing that. But uh, we've had more progress this week coming up with ideas for the script. And it's going to be hella cool. So just keep your eyes peeled for that soon. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait. It's going to rock. Woot, woot, woot. Woot, woot. <laughs> woot. Well, until next time, kids, keep twiddling those dials. The next password will be Felix Felicis. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Good night. We've missed it. W3. I confess myself disappointed. Now. If you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> this week's podcast was produced by the Pottercast Trio and Steve Bonnet. The show was edited by Steed, Hildy, Samantha, and Liz. Thanks to Steve Vanderart for joining us for Canon Conclusions. Thanks to our Scribby 5 team, Aaron and Nina. And thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com.